Blog Talk Radio. Thing for sure, we don't need a liberal person in there, a Democrat, Jones. He said, 
referring to Democratic candidate Doug Jones. Moore will face Jones on December 12th in a primary. Hey, it's insane, man. I'm telling you, Donald. It's just insane, insane, insane. Yeah. Here's an interesting article. We now know why Donald Trump never mentions Tiffany. Wow. I can't imagine why. Nobody really knew Tiffany Trump existed until Donald Trump ran for president. So when he came out of the shadows, everyone had questions. Now that Trump is in the Oval Office, this estranged daughter of his has de- decided to tell everyone uh, what they've been dying to know. Was Donald Trump an absent father? How has Tiffany's life been really been? And read on to follow. Tiffany Trump was born to Donald Trump's second wife, Milo Maples, and she was known as the most private child of the Donald Trump, the daughter who was free and frequently spoken of until the pressures of the campaign required it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And her mother is Marla Maples. She looks a lot like her. Yeah. And uh, second wife of Donald Trump. But, anyway, Donald was really kind of an absent father on that one. But you know what? I don't really care. I I just was was caught up by by this thing. You know, those damn things that you read online. But, anyway, uh, one of the important things that, uh, that I think is one of the major important things is today came out with is the FCC plans total repeal of net neutrality rules. Yeah, folks, I mean, you know, we're looking back to Stone Age here. I mean, you know, we're going to be in trouble. I mean, all the free uh, Internet that we get now, I mean, not free, but uh, all the Internet that we get now is going to be restricted because of this fucking FCC uh, moron. Another Trump uh, 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 jerk. Federal Communications Commission Chairman Ajay Pitt will reveal plans for his fellow commissioners on Tuesday to fully dismantle the agency's Obama-era net neutrality regulations. People familiar with the plan said, in a major victory, in a major victory for the telecom industry, in the long-running policy debate, the commission will vote on the proposal in December, and some uh, even. and some seven months after it laid the groundwork for the scuttle uh, in the rules that uh, require Internet service providers like Comcast or AT&T to treat web traffic equally. Well, President Donald Trump, okay, appointed Pi's plan, uh, appointed Pi's plan would uh, jettison rules that uh, prohibit Internet service providers from blocking or slowing web traffic or creating so-called paid Internet fast lanes. The people are familiar with the charges said. And Pi also will follow through on his plans to scrap the uh, legal foundation of the FCC old a Democratic majority adopted to, to tighten federal oversight of Internet uh, service providers to prove he contends uh, that deter, has deterred the industry from investing in broadband networks. Uh, also, Internet providers have feared that legal foundation if left in place, could uh, set the stage for possible government price regulation of Internet service, which I believe is what should actually happen, too. I mean, it should be like a utility, you know? Um, the chairman's approach to be voted on by the FCC, December 14th meeting, would also get rid of the so-called general conduct standard, which gives the FCC authority to police behavior by Internet service providers it deems unreasonable. The plan includes transparency rules which would require Internet service providers to inform their customers about their practices on issues such as blocking and throttling. And major Internet uh, providers, including Comcast, have uh, publicly said they will not block or throttle web, uh, web traffic. The FCC will look to another agency, the Federal Trade Commission, to... Uh, um, Police, whether internet service providers are acting in the anti-competitive manner. Yeah, that's going to go to the Trade Commission, sure. So you 
you're going to get the, the Secretary of, Trans of Commerce involved, another crook. The, uh, yeah. So, an FCC spokesman declined to comment on the plan, but supporters of the existing rules, including tech giant like uh, Netflix and uh, left-leaning digital activists, say they are necessary to ensuring the Internet remains a level playing field. But critics, include Pyatt, have said they are too burdensome and deter investment in broadband networks. The agency is expected to approve the rollback at its next meeting in the Republican majority, but the issue is likely to end up in court again. Um, the Federal Appeals Court upheld the current net neutrality rules in June 2016, siding with the FCC against the challenge from AT&T and Telecom and other industry trade groups. This time, it's likely to be net neutrality advocates taking the agency to court. The, uh, the move could also reignite interest in legislation to codify net neutrality rules, with Republican lawmakers and ISP have uh, published for this year. Some FCC watchers believe Pi's dismantling of the rules could bring Democrats to the table and negotiate a legislative uh, solution to the uh, debate. Pi's rollback of the net neutrality rules will top this list of deregulatory accomplishments since Trump appointed him chairman in, in uh, January. The longtime uh, GOP commissioner has lived up to his uh, promise the agency would take a weed whacker to federal regulations, slashing rules on media ownership, uh, business broadband, and the transition from copper to fiber. Yeah. And neutrality, who built the Internet? Telling you folks, bad news. Bad news. Bad, bad news. You know, yeah, yeah, really. Trump, Trump just brought in a whole level of crap that, you know, this world has been. Oh, God. Here's another one that I wanted to read tonight U.S. votes against anti Nazi resolution at the U.N. Can you imagine this? I mean, what kind of ass way? Oh, my God. I mean, come on. Yeah. The United States says it was, this is from um, uh, AP, Associated Press. The United States says it was one of three countries to vote against a U.N. resolution condemning the glorification of Nazism over freedom of speech issues and concerns that Russia was using it to carry out political attacks against its neighbors. Well, the resolution entitled Combating Glorification of Nazism, Neo-Nazism, and Other Practices That Contribute to Fueling Contemporary Forms of Racism, rash, Racial Discrimination, Xenophobia, and Related Intolerance, was approved by the UN's Human Rights Committee on February uh, with 131 in favor, three against, with 48 abstentions. Ukraine and Peru were the only were the other no votes. Jesus. We condemn without reservation all forms of religious and ethnic intolerance or hatred at our home and around the world, said Deputy U.S. Representative to the Economic and Social uh, Stephanie Amato, uh, explaining the U.S. vote. Yeah, what a bullshit. However, due to this resolution overly narrow scope and politicized nature, and because it, is, it calls for unacceptable limits on the fundamental freedoms of expression, the United States cannot support it, Amadio said. She said the U.S. also disagrees with their resolution willing to curb freedom of expression, even while sharing its concerns about the rise of hate speech around the world. This resolution's recommendations to limit freedom of expression freedom of association, and the right to peaceful assembly, contravene the principles enshrined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and must be opposed, Amadio said. Unlike resolutions of the Security Council, resolutions of General Assembly committees are not considered legally binding. But you know, you know what's crazy about this? I mean, you know what's really freaking sick about this? Is that, you know... You know, they, they just want to, they, they, I, I don't understand this. I, I don't understand it, and I, I can't understand it. I mean, 
it's something so intolerable. I mean, fascism is like, it's the worst. It's the worst. I mean, Hitler's, Hitler's world is, uh, you know, let's uh, hear this. This is about you. It's a little uh, tape on uh, some. There's Nazi. no one who's had a tougher life than Agent Gibbs. Sorry, folks. They got a lot of crap in front of us. It's not worth listening to. But you know, I just want you to know that that that's what's up. That's what's really happening. Uh, it's really, really freaking sickening to think that's happening right now. You know, this came up today, and I and I wanted to play this because I thought it was very interesting. It has over seven hundred, seven and a half billion views on YouTube, but. This is for everyone who ever doubted chemtrails and geoengineering the atmosphere. Here is the former head of the CIA admitting geoengineering and chemtrails exist now and will in the future. And for those of you who aren't aware of what chemtrails are, it's 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 a it's a dimming, global dimming of these massive military jet planes flying overhead, dimming out the sunlight, you know, adding clouds and fallout, and uh, you know, uh, just. Uh, Destroying the fucking atmosphere, you know, because they think they're saving it. They're not saving it. They're destroying the the world. I mean, it's just madness. It's complete, utter, absolute madness, folks. Yeah. And um, I want to play this. It's only it's it's like for a few minutes, but it's it's worth it because it's crazy. The guy who's talking is. Um, John Brennan. Uh, the irony here is that John Brennan, who's the head of the CIA under Obama, is a, then the name John Brennan is a good friend of mine who's who's an anti-chemtrail activist and has been for years and years. Uh, you know, and introduced me to chemtrails back. To, uh, oh my God, almost uh, uh, I don't know, 15 or more years ago. And we've been we've been fighting it ever since. He's been on my show a number of times over the years, and um, you know John Brennan. But the irony here is that John Brennan is the actual name of the of the CIA director, who now is admitting chemtrails exist and and that they're beneficial to to humanity. Look to this crock. It's unbelievable. Another example is the array of technologies, often referred to collectively as geoengineering that potentially could help reverse the warming effects of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, or SAI, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat in much the same way that volcanic eruptions do. An SAI program could limit global temperature increases, reducing some risks associated with higher temperatures and providing the world economy additional time to transition from fossil fuels. This process is also relatively inexpensive. The National Research Council estimates that a fully deployed SAI program would cost about $10 billion yearly. As promising as it may be, moving forward on SAI would also raise a number of challenges for our government and for the international community. On the technical side, greenhouse gas emission reductions would still have to accompany SAI to address other climate change effects, such as ocean acidification, because SAI alone would not remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. On the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter weather patterns and benefit certain regions of the world <coughs> at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. Others might seize on SAI's benefits and back away from their commitments to carbon dioxide reductions. And as with other breakthrough technologies, Global norms and standards are lacking to guide the deployment and implementation of SAI and other geoengineering initiatives. Sorry. So there, there is the uh, proof in the pudding, there, folks. <coughs> Something that really surprised me, very, very much surprised me, is um, more than 250,000 uh, children 
under the age of six years old are on antidepressants. Honest to God, folks. This is true. You know, I'm going to play this, uh, this, this short video from naturalnews.com. It's absolutely uh, amazing. Over a million children under the age of six years old are currently on psycho, psych, psychiatric drugs in America. It's absolutely true, folks. Listen to this. drugs being given to children is anti-anxiety drugs. Over 227, uh, I'm sorry, over 227,000 uh, experts believe these numbers could be a little larger. Psychotic drugs are linked to the heart attacks, psychosis, suicidal thoughts, diabetes, stroke, and mania. Data from IMS Health also shows that the numbers keep rising with more than 4 million kids Okay, psychiatric medications affect a child's brain, all right? We should be teaching children how to live, not impairing them the way they think. Be informed, naturalnews.com. Go to Natural News. Okay, check that out. It's really staggering. I mean, you know, I mean, he's the guy that, that everybody should, should go to. Go to naturalnews.com. Check out his stuff. Incredible. You know that uh, Monsanto has been removed and banned by Australia, Bulgaria, Greece, Hungary, Germany, Ireland, Japan, Luxembourg, Madeira, New Zealand, Peru, South Australia, uh, Russia, France, and Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, all of these countries have kicked them the hell out, Monsanto. They don't want anything to do with them. Hey, did anybody hear about this today? This is crazy. This is really crazy, Looney Tune, freaking nuts. <coughs> a GOP <coughs> Republican representative, <coughs> excuse me a second, a Republican uh, Senate representative apologizes for um, lewd photo shared on Twitter. Now, now this guy is a Republican. Now, if, 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 you know, Wiener went to jail doing this, okay, he was a Democrat. This guy is, is running for uh, Texas uh, Congressman, I guess. Crazy, right? Sorry, folks, i got to get rid of these. I hate these things. I really do hate these things. GOP Rep. Joe. Yeah, whatever. All right. Representative Joe Barton is apologizing for not using better judgment after a nude photo of him surfaced on social media earlier this week. Barton's acknowledgement that he appeared in the photo emphasized that the woman he was involved with in the past, one of whom may have shared the photo, were above the age of consent and willing participants. <coughs> Excuse me. While separated from my wife, my second wife, Prior to the divorce, I had sexual relations with other mature adult women, Barton said in a statement Wednesday. But each was consensual, and those relationships have ended. I'm sorry I did not use better judgment during those days. I'm sorry that I let my constituents down, he, he says. He continues. <laughs> the picture first appeared on an anonymous Twitter account and then began to circulate on a social media platform. The lewd image comes at a time when many uh, individuals are coming forward and, uh, and accusing uh, powerful figures in politics, media, and other industries of sexual misconduct. The Texas uh, Tribune first reported the apology. The Republican official in the Lone Star State are beginning <laughs> are beginning to speculate about the political future of the Texas lawmaker who announced his reelection bid earlier this month. Well, the spokesperson, the spokeswoman for Barton, confirmed the longtime lawmaker has no plans to step down. 
but Barton, who has served in the House since 1985, told a local news outlet he is talking to people about his next steps. <laughs> You're as aware of what was posted as I am, Barton told the Texas Tribune on Tuesday during a phone interview. I am talking to a number of people, all of whom I have faith in, and I am deciding how to respond, quite frankly, he said. And Barton was previously chairman of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Jesus, God. The, I, you know, the, I, 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 it's so historical, man. All these guys are, are getting busted for, 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 you know, weird crap, you know. This is so crazy. This this made me very angry um, with Trump. Uh, Trump is such a bastard, you know. He, he's just such a cruel, cruel, cruel son of a bitch. And you know, I had you know last week's show I played that that song about Trump. I might play it again today, um, uh, you know, because it's so real about this guy. He's heartless, man. He's got no. He he is just ruthless and heartless. He, he's cruel, son of a bitch. Jesus, God, this guy shouldn't, this guy's incredible. I mean, this guy's got no conscience. Trump ends a temporary protective status for Haitians, forcing 58,000 to leave the country. You know, those poor people got ripped off by the Clinton Foundation. Their houses were blown away, their livelihoods were taken, they oh, Christ, they had to get out of there. They had nothing left, you know. And, and what the hell, right? They had nothing left. And, and now this son of a bitch wants to send them back there where there's nothing. There's no homes, there's no nothing, there's not even electricity enough because the Clintons have ripped off the whole damn place. Jesus, man. Baltimore City Councilman uh, Christopher Burnett takes issue affecting Haitians uh, in, uh, in, in America personally. Uh, one would expect nothing less since his wife, Vanessa, is Haitian. And given the couple uh, took in several desperate relatives from the decimated island nation in the aftermath of its catastrophic earthquake in January 2010, some were injured and had been forced to sleep on the streets outside the capital city of Port au Prince before making their way to Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, this is this this bastard wants to send them all back, you know. You can still see the remnants of the earthquake, said Brunette, who has traveled to Haiti several times over the past three years. People are still living in temporary shelters and tents, uh, especially in Port-au-Prince, and infrastructure is still badly damaged, which is why it takes a lot of time to travel through the country, explained Brunette, noting the unprepared, uh, unrepaired damage to the roads and bridges. A lot of people are still looking for work and are selling whatever they can sell to put some food on the table. And Burnett's family is among many concerned and impacted by the news that the Trump administration has denied the extension of temporary protective status to more than 58,000 Haitians uh, nationals currently residing in the U.S. The decision coming just prior to the Department of Homeland Security Thanksgiving deadline will force Haitians uh, TPS rece uh, recipients to leave the country within an 18-month period following the January 22nd expiration of the program. The program, which currently applies to 10 nations and roughly 437,000 people nationwide, permits those from countries experiencing civil unrest, violence, or natural disaster to reside in the work in the United States until it is safe and reasonable them to return home. Given the well-documented and ongoing instability in Haiti, a situation worsened by an expanding cholera epidemic and additional damage from Hurricane Matthew in 2016. Burnett had, had, uh, rather, had recently introduced a resolution to the uh, Baltimore Council calling on the federal government to allow those affected to remain in the United States by extending Haiti's TSP, TPS designation. The councilman was far from alone in drawing assertion to this potential dangers Haitian recipients uh, face as advocates from all sides of the political spectrum, including Haitian President uh, Jovenel Moise, uh, and asked the Trump administration for an 18-month extension. <clears throat> and this, this thing goes on and on, but 
I, it's, it's a very, very, very tragic, 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 tragic thing. I think you should, um, you might want to check this out and see it, what it is. Um, very sad. Trump ends temporary protective status for Haitians, forcing 58,000 to leave the country. Hey, there's good hope here, man. Goodbye, Mr. Trump. This is really, this was really encouraging. All right, when I read this today, I was very pleased. Uh, turns out, <coughs> this article is from David Korn, and David Korn works for uh, Mother Jones. Uh, but yeah, he, he's very, he's pretty credible journalist. I've read him for many, many years. And uh, he says, note to Rob Mueller, Hope Hicks was part of the cover-up. Well, Hope Hicks is, uh, you know, uh, Trump's communication director now, okay? You know, 29-year-old, uh, good-looking girl that's been with him since she was, like, 15, you know, working on the Trump uh, whatever. <laughs> Trump ate uh, told one of the biggest Russian whoppers of the, of the campaign. Hope Hicks denied, she she deliberately denied uh, the biggest scandal in the White House, and and because of that, Mueller caught her in the lie, and uh, looks like there's going to be some interesting repercussions. Hope Hicks' time in the barrel may come soon. Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller is reportedly aiming to interview the White House communications director at the top part of the Trump-Russia investigation. When he and his team of lawyers do so, they presumably will be mindful that the 29-year-old Hicks um, told one of the biggest whoppers of the 2016 campaign. Two days after Trump uh, won the election, Russian uh, Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Rybkov said the um, Russian government had been in contact with with the Trump campaign. There were contacts, he remarked. We are doing this and have been doing this uh, during the election campaign. He noted that the Kremlin knew many of Trump's closest allies and was in touch with them. Obviously, we know most of the people from his Trump's entourage, he said. And those people have always been in the limelight in the United States and have occupied high-ranking positions. And Ribkoff added, that these contacts would continue. This comment contradicted Trump's claim when he declared repeatedly through the campaign that he had nothing to do with Russia. That was often how he responded when asked about Russian uh, cyber attacks against the camp- Clinton campaign and other Democratic targets. Though the U.S. intelligence community, a... Um, a month before the election, released an assessment stating that Russia was trying to subvert the presidential contest, Trump and his lieutenants uh, constantly claimed there was no evidence of Moscow's involvement. So, when, with a senior Russian official now stating that the Trump campaign had interacted with Russians, uh, what was the Trump campaign to do? From for Hawks, for um, sorry, for Hicks. It was easy. Go with a blanket denial. It never happened, she said. There was no communication between the campaign and any foreign entity during the campaign. No communication? That was a wildly false statement. There were many communications with Russians and foreign entities, including WikiLeaks, which dumped the Democratic email stolen by Russian intelligence. Trump's top advisors, uh, Trump Jr., Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort met privately with a Russian emissary who they were told would provide them dirt on Hillary Clinton as part of a secret Russian government plan to help Trump. Well, George uh, Papadopoulos spent months in the contact uh, with uh, Russians trying to arrange first a meeting between Trump and Putin and then a back-channel communication with Putin's office. But Carter Page, another campaign foreign policy advisor, traveled to Moscow in 2016, July, to give a speech there. 
and while in the Russian capital, had contact with Russian Deputy Prime Minister uh, Akari Dorkovich and Andrei Baranov, the head of investor relations at Rosneft, the state-owned uh, oil company. And there is more. Then Jeff Sessions, the top Trump campaign advisor, Kushner, Page, and J.D. Morgan, a foreign policy aide to the campaign, each met with Russian Ambassador Sergei, uh, Sergei Kislev uh, during the presidential race. And earlier this year, Kislev told the Washington Post that he had conversations with retired General Michael Flynn and Trump's top uh, security advisor during the campaign prior to Election Day. Kislev did denied, uh, or rather declined to say, what the two discussed. In July 2016, while Manafort was campaign manager, he offered to provide private briefings on the presidential race uh, to Russian oligarch Oleg uh, Garispaka, a tycoon close to Putin. And in the fall of 2016, Trump Jr. exchanged private messages with WikiLeaks. So Hicks was put out uh, false information, but it was aligned consistent with the uh, campaign Stonewall. It top, uh, its top officials had been informed that the Kremlin was trying to convert, covertly assist Trump, yet Trump and his aides constantly denied Putin was meddling in the election. And some of the contacts between Trump's campaigners and Russians, particularly those of Papadopoulos and Page, were known by senior campaign officials. Yet, the campaign revealed none of these interactions uh, during the election, when Russia's involvement was a major controversy. So, it's possible Hicks was unaware of all this activity. She, she, didn't, she did know about Page's trip to Moscow. She com- commented on it publicly. And she was uh, directly informed that Trump Jr. had been in contact with WikiLeaks. But, according to The Atlantic, after... Trump Jr. received the first message from WikiLeaks. He emailed other senior campaign ads, including Kirshner, uh, Bannon, Conway, and uh, Brad Parscale, who tells them WikiLeaks had reached out to him. And uh, Kushner forwarded his emails to Hicks. Well, Hicks has been by Trump's side since 2014. When she went to work at the, for the Trump Organization, prior to that, she was a New York public relations firm contracted by uh, uh, contract contracted yeah, by Ivanka Trump. She was uh, she was with Trump when he decided to fire FBI Chief James Comey. She was on Air Force One when Trump reportedly got involved in drafting a misleading White House statement regarding the meeting between Trump Jr., Kushner, Manafort, and Russian emissary. Mueller and his crew have been have much to talk about with Hicks, but she is not just any witness. She is part of the cover-up. That's interesting, isn't it, folks? I, I think so. I really think that uh, this goes so deep. You know, cover-ups are tough, especially at the top of the, top of the world where these guys are, you know. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, this is if I get something I can play here, but I don't think so. Ah, here's one. This is a uh, this is from a, a headline in People's Magazine, uh, 1998, about Donald Trump. It's a quote that they have in a big big quote in one page. Hey, he's uh, he's got his picture there. This is Donald Trump now, 1998. He says, "If I were to run, I'd run as a Republican. They're the dumbest group of voters in the country. They believe anything on Fox News." I could lie and then still eat it up. I bet my numbers would be terrific. So, 
he knew that if he ran as a Republican, you know, you know, Repub- he thinks Republicans are idiots. You know, I'll tell you, some, some of them are. This guy here, I mean, these bastards today, that uh, you know, the GOP, they put together this this bill, and uh, oh boy, I'll tell you, I mean, they they think, you know, they passed it in the House, but. It's not, I don't think it's going to get through the Senate. I really don't. It's amazing it actually got through the House. Do you trust Paul Ryan to protect your Medicare benefits? How about the White House Budget Director, uh, Mick Mulvaney, a former member of the House uh, Freedom Caucus, and like Ryan, a long-standing foe of Medicare? <laughs> if the just-passed House tax bill his Senate counterparts, for some compromise to the two, is signed into law. The enactment will put Medicare's future in the hands of Ryan and Mulvaney. According to the Congressional Budget uh, Office, the GOP tax bill will instantly trigger $400 billion in automatic cuts to Medicare in the next two years, including $25 billion in the first year uh, after enactment alone. These cuts are the result of a law known as a statutory pay-go, and uh, that law requires an automatic cut in spending. So, this is really kind of like, this is bad, folks. This is not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. I mean, These cuts are the result of a law known as statutory pay-go. That law requires an automatic cut in spending when Congress increases the debt. The tax bill is, in Donald Trump's words, a big, beautiful Christmas present for Trump's family and other billionaires. If the Republicans are successful in passing a tax bill that increases the deficit by $1.5 trillion, then they instead intend the provision of pay-go will be activated. Statutory PAYGO is a law that should never have been passed. It means as much easier to Congress to force cuts to vital programs such as Medicare by passing unrelated bills with which need to be offset. Uh, but that uh, said, just like the um, similarity guided debt limit, the Republicans are regularly use for hostage-taking. Is the law of the land. Well, anyway, I'm going to ask you to go to that salon.com and check it out. It's a staggering thought. It really is frightening. Frightening what's going on, folks. It's scary to get huh? Nancy Pelosi is the ultimate Democrat political prostitute. I mean, she, Hillary is nothing next to this piece of work. I mean, really. Let's let's, let's look what she said regarding impeaching Donald Trump. The worst, probably the worst president that we've ever, possibly ever had. And this is what this dumb, ding-dong Democrat Two days after a group of Democrats made moves to impeach President Donald Trump, House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi said during a speech that that impeaching Donald Trump would be a waste of time and energy because he's just not that important. 
Pelosi, who spoke at Hearst offices on Friday, said Democrats' priority should be removing Trump from office, according to tweets from Cosmopolitan Features editor Emma Breger. Um, Republicans uh, would love for us to make our campaigns about the impeachment of Trump. She said, that's not what it's about. It's about the well-being of um, American families. And then she went on to say, um, the longtime congressman has uh, woman has publicly denounced impeachment efforts in the past. But earlier this month, she said she told political that impeachment proceedings are not someplace that I think we should go. But during her appearance at Hearst, according to Barker tweets, Pelosi also said that impeaching former Bill Clinton was a frivolous activity. See, she's like, I don't understand this woman. To me, there's nothing frivolous about impeaching Clinton, right? Living that that set up the whole world, and you know, uh, I don't know. A lot of people trying to beat the uh, beat the weed tax, you know. That ain't gonna work so well. I'll be somebody around to beat it. Well, anyway, I just wanted to let you know that 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 that's the game that we're we're hearing these days. Okay. Um, I I can't kind of uh, I have a lot of trouble a lot a lot of trouble with this but you know trying to trying to um, take Trump by you know uh, um, I think I'm going to uh, Oh, I don't know if I read this last year last week or not, but Rex Tillerson was revealed as a director of US Russian oil company in the Bahamas. Yeah. He's he's he's, a, he's one of the board of directors of of this oil company in in uh Russia. You know, a Russian oil company. Japan was stunned after Trump brags about American destruction of enemies. Uh, remember Hiroshima? And uh, this guy, uh, this was amazing. Uh, I don't know if... Um, Trump would do a, stupid, a few stupid things on his two-week Asia trip. But however, even for a man like Trump, what he said in front of all of Japan just created a new definition for stupid. In a mocking, or rather a shocking display of a lack of understanding for the impact of the nuclear attacks on Hiroshima and Nagasaki during World War II, Trump bragged about America destroying its enemies. Here's what he said in front of an audience of U.S. service members stationed in Japan. No dictator, no regime, no government should, should underestimate ever American resolve. Every once in a while in the past, they underestimated us. It was not pleasant for them, wasn't. 
I mean, he said this to 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 them. I mean, God damn. I I don't know. I I, I just think he's a moron. I I think everybody realizes that Trump is a freaking moron. You know, he, nothing about him, not a damn thing about him, that would appeal to anybody. You know, wow. That is some sickness, man. That is some real sickness. But, you know, we deal with it. We got to deal with it. And, uh, I don't know. I have a real hard time dealing with it. Whoa. Really, dude. Um, if If I could rewrite history a little bit, I would rewrite the 20th century for sure. But, you know, this is the way it is. This is the way we lived it. This is the way we live in the 21st century now. And whatever that means, people will follow. and Or people will not follow. And at that point, you know, the, uh, the, the time will split.
Oh, anyway, um, I'm sorry that I kind of lost on a track here where we were going. Um, uh, I wanted to um, say tonight that um, we covered a lot of ground, and I want to uh, refer you to my uh, website, lasteelshow.org, also to my new uh, YouTube uh, channel, uh, which is the L.A. Steel Show. And uh, on there I got uh, 14 uh, videos that I put up uh, that were all shows that I had done uh, prior to 19, um, prior to 19, yeah, uh, prior to now. Uh, but they were, uh, I, I, put, I did actually about 400 television programs uh, from 1999 to 2010. And um, from that, uh, got a lot of, a lot, a lot of fascinating things, uh, people, places. Events, um, you know, just you know, you just forgot about. It. There's just times to forget, and people that the places that were so important, um, uh, and people who lost their lives, uh, you know, fighting for the rights, and people who fought uh, and who discovered these things and 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 found needed a place to say them, and they my I my program was available to them. So that's my. Uh, so I want to talk to you tonight, and I wanted to mention it uh, as part of this program that uh, you know uh, we're here because of everybody who supported us all the time. Uh, our program is one of a very unusual program, and uh, in that we have so many of them, and we've covered so much ground over the last. Uh, 2003 is the last uh, uh, 14 years yeah, on on radio, and another um, four years on television. So uh, we had a combination of over eight years on TV, and um, and um, you know we're celebrating the 11th uh, year on Blog Talk Radio tonight. So I wish you all the best. We thank you for being joining us, and thank you for um, following us over the many years. And we have hundreds of thousands of followers, our listeners, and uh, we thank you again. So good night, everybody, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>